This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with me, Dr. Christian. This is the medical podcast that deals with a truly diverse range of topics on a weekly basis. And this episode, we'll be telling you about something a little bit different that I think is absolutely fascinating. Now, that is a big statement. I know I'm setting myself up possibly for a fall, but I don't think so. So stick with us. Um, now, just the um, boring legal bits. I am bound to tell you that if you feel unwell at any point during this podcast, then you should seek medical help, either using NHS 111, consult your GP or go to hospital. Now with me, as always, is my friend and journalist, the wonderful Alex Stanger. Alex, what's up? Hello, my <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm not the sort of person to say what's up. I'm I know, like, it really, really doesn't not. suit you. I'm too posh, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think also what's up went out about a decade ago, possibly twenty years. So I, relish I the am fact I'm you're showing your age. Oh, I, don't I mean there are so many you know things what? wrong with it. I don't care about showing my age. I relish my age. <laughs> are you excited about today's podcast? I'm very excited because it's something that I don't know that much about. Well, look, today's subject is is, is something I've been wanting to do for so so long. And I'm so pleased we're doing it today because I'm a dog lover. Do you have have pets? Unfortunately, I live with a grumpy old man that refuses to have dogs in the house. My friends have had to throw them out of windows whenever he's at home early. Put your foot down. (laughs) So I I was brought up with dogs. My my grandparents had working dogs. Um, I've had dogs and... Dogs have encroached into medicine in the way that dogs encroach into all our lives in in, in wonderful, snuggly, snuffly little ways. And today we're going to talk about medical detection dogs. So these are dogs that have a function, in fact, a life-saving function many times in medicine. So joining me today, um, we've got Dr. Claire Guest, who is the CEO and the operations director of Medical Detection Dogs based in Milton Keynes. Claire, welcome. Thank you. Do you know what medical detection dogs are? No, I don't. And I am absolutely fascinated to find out exactly what (laughs) medical detection dogs are. What are they, Claire? Well, as you know, dogs have got this incredible sense of smell and they spend their whole time snuffling about. What we didn't realise until about 20 years ago was that actually they can smell human disease. Now, how, how could that be? Well, what we believe is that when we have any change to our bodies, you know, if you get unwell in any way, that we have a change in our odour. 
And dogs with their incredible noses can pick up these changes. And if we ask them to tell them, tell us about them, they will. Now, it started for me many years ago. I had a friend and colleague who had a pet Dalmatian dog. It was just a, a, a fluffy, you know, a pet. It wasn't trained. But it started to fuss with a small mole on her calf. And it did it repeatedly. And I was a behavioural psychologist. I was really interested in this behaviour. And she said, I'm sure this dog can smell it. She said, because if I walk past the dog, then the dog's nose twitches and it comes up and it pins itself onto this little mole. She went to a GP. GP removed the mole, the local anaesthetic malignant melanoma in a 20-year-old. She would have almost certainly not been here today if, if the dog hadn't done that. Now, I was so interested, I thought, I'd love to find it's out stunning. how that dog has done this and whether this could be changed, you know, could be could be developed to help people with other diseases and, 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 you know, save lives all around the world. Also, I suppose you might have been thinking, is this just a one-off? Is this just one dog? I mean, and what, what, how did you go from there? Absolutely. Well, it took a long time. You can imagine the scepticism. I mean, it was absolutely huge. But I was really lucky to meet up with the doctor, John Church, and he was an orthopaedic surgeon, but he'd worked a lot out in Rwanda. And he was the doctor who reintroduced the use of maggots into wound cleaning, which yeah. you, may have, you may have covered. And we he... haven't, but it's a good idea, actually. <laughs> I'm now going to have to yes. cover it now that you've mentioned it. I'm but, yes. it yes. no, 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 I'll so, tell you. So he had a sort of broad, much broader sort of view, and and he'd heard these anecdotes. He wrote to the Lancet Medical Journal in a, a, a story of you know these 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 stories together, and he was talking on Radio Four one day. I happened to hear him, and we got in touch, and we lived 20 minutes away from each other. So he said, right, we've got to prove that this actually was real. I should point out at this point my profession is quite stuffy, right? quite slow on the uptake of new technologies Absolutely. to a degree, Absolutely. quite blooming hard to convince. They Absolutely. bang on about show us the evidence, which is quite right in some respects. But I, and I'll say it, I do think sometimes it retards innovations yeah, frustratingly so and you probably yeah, absolutely. experienced and, and that and I mean you? I think if, if you talk about you know a biosensor and an e-nose we can talk about that a little bit later then you know that would be hard enough to sell but you try and sell a biosensor with a, a fluffy coat and a waggy tail you're really in trouble with a lot of medics because they just say oh it can't be measured you know it can't be it can't be relevant but we did we trained the, 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 a group of dogs published in the British Medical Journal September 1000, 2004 and that was the so start. This is a long time ago, 2004. 2004. Start. We're now 2019. Can I just, sorry, can I just drop something in there? Because yeah. I'm the non-medical person here. So I'm here to, to do the questions that maybe people are asking him. Biosensor. Yes. What is a biosensor? Well, a biosensor is a, 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 a technology that measures um, the chemicals released or chemicals that change. So what we're talking about is finding biomarkers. Right. Biomarkers are there'll be chemicals that change. Yeah, that, right? it could be yeah. anything. So anything yeah. that measures a change in something. So when you have a blood test at your doctor's to look for whatever they might be looking for, you know, that would be a biomarker. Yeah. So a lot of the... Um, what we've learned is that certain tumours produce compounds with particular smells, right. Right? Yeah. particularly complex molecules that we, you know, are simple, you know, base creatures that we are, although we think we're far greater mm -hmm. than that, you know, have no idea about these things. Our four-legged friend companions, though, with these mm. amazing olfactory capabilities, yeah, yeah. can, can, can yeah. smell them. I can tell you how good their noses are. So can you smell a teaspoon of sugar in a cup of tea, I'm a Vivian? <laughs> No, some people can. If you have a partner really? that, yeah, if you have a partner that takes sugar, you can sniff and you can smell the sugar. A dog's uh, olfactory ability allows it to smell a teaspoon of sugar in the volume of water in two Olympic-sized swimming pools, parts per trillion. 
That's a good thing. Oh, <laughs> my. <laughs> Give that a go. <laughs> so, but, but my how, I'm just thinking, so I have a little dog called Max, but it's a big hello to Max. Um, <laughs> My house just must be disgusting for that <laughs> yes, poor that dog. Yes, that poor dog with the senses that it must have must be overwhelming. Maybe they enjoy it, do they? Well, yeah, I think they just filter it out. It's a bit sort of a background odour. They're very good at that. They sort of say, oh, that's just background. And then they look for new odours in that background. And that's when they get that really intense sniffing when everybody can hear their dog saying, proper sniffing. My, my, my dog, I can, I'm, I'm going to open up for things. That I my dog likes shoes and underpants. Oh, yes. Yes, not uncommon. Yes. If he gets a pair of my underpants. Yeah. I mean, you haven't seen anything like it. <laughs> not uncommon at all <laughs> I mean it's it's shameful but he does he, does, he likes right, a pair it. of pants that's he right. does I'm dog. moving on from your pants yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry Christian yeah. yeah. probably why we yeah, got to bring it back to, to the so, subject so, in hand so Claire you, you met with this doc, this other person that, yes. and like this is absolute kismet isn't it this yes. is one of these really oh. weird circumstances where you're yeah, listening yeah. to the radio and then suddenly something that you're vaguely interested in there's an expert talking absolutely. about it absolutely and it, and it, and the story gets weirder actually because after I'd done the first study with the British for the BMJ, um, we then managed to get a tiny bit of funding to carry on the work, to keep looking at a bigger group of dogs with more uh, cancer samples to try and give this a more robust evidence, which is what all the, all the, the medics like. And in 2009, I had a, a dog that lives, lived with me. She was called Daisy. Beautiful, beautiful fox red lab with great big brown eyes. And I trained her to be a bladder cancer and a prostate cancer detector dog. So she detected cancer volatiles in a urine sample. We're going to go back and ask how you train because that's, <laughs> I, I know, we need to know that currently. Yeah. She was very accurate, very, very accurate, up into the 90%. And uh, for a few days, she started to be a bit peculiar around me. She started to um, stare at me and... Uh, Bear in mind, at this time, I was fighting with medics to try and believe, you know, what was what I believed was could make a huge difference worldwide. Took her for a walk one day, opened the back of my car up. She, she was normally just jump out and run around, but she wouldn't. She kept just nudging at me and staring at me, nudging, staring. So I said, off you go, don't be so silly. She ran around, had a play. And um, but I felt where she'd nudged me. And I thought, oh, funny, I can feel a little bit of a, a bruise. Long story short, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I had um, lymph node, uh, lumpectomy, lymph node removal, radiotherapy. And as I was going down for my, for my surgery, I was saying to my surgeon, do you know my dog told me about this? And he was like, yeah, right. <laughs> we always get those. That would be the anesthetic lab, isn't it? <laughs> but actually, over the years, they have really started to believe. In fact, my oncologist is now one of our trustees and fully believes that, that everything that he's seen and, and, and all the evidence we've gathered. But how strange to have that. And my dog, dog passed away eight, nearly a year ago, actually, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I am heartbreaking. absolutely stunned because you are from the medical profession and you do... I'm a, a behavioural, behavioural, behavioural psychologist, behavioural so I don't know whether they... Yeah, yeah. But it was your dog that actually... Because you're on yes. it, you're on yes. it, you're working yes. Yes. with this yeah. kind of yeah. thing. And I, you know, when she first started staring at me, I didn't, I didn't even realise at all. It's only when she started nudging at me, and I felt this lump. But you know, we, 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 medics, and we're very bad at we ignore ourselves. Oh yeah, Comple- yeah, yeah. we're very bad, actually. So. In a way, I find this particularly fascinating because a big problem that's never, of course, addressed is 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 <laughs> what to do. How do you solve a problem like a medic? Because um, you know, I I, I speak from experience. I've I've nearly killed myself by ignoring a galloping appendicitis that I knew was appendicitis. If any patient of mine straight yes. to a knee, but I don't know because it's me and yeah. I, I just let's ignore it for a week until it's ruptured and I'm you know half dead. Anyway, so I'm sure if I had a little dog at the time, it might have told. Me. I think you probably would. But so, 
I mean, I've heard plenty of stories of people with epilepsy whose mm. dogs warn them of an Absolutely. impending epileptic fit. People with diabetes yes. of various types who tell them, yeah, yeah, you know, whether their blood sugar is getting yep. too low. Yeah, what yeah. sort of things now are yeah. we able to train dogs so, to do? So what we did when we we were working with the cancer detection dogs, um, I heard exactly the stories you're talking about. And there were anecdotal stories, actually. There were people coming forward saying, hey, I'm sure my dog warns me before fit or before my blood sugars drop. So I thought, right, we're going to have an assistance dog program to work alongside our, our diagnostic service and or our diagnostic um, research. And as you say, we train dogs to detect low and high blood sugars, pre-seizure, uh, pre um, pre-anaphylactic shock, um, pre-Addison's disease, you know, many cortisol levels are dropping. Basically, all these things produce a change in our bodies and the dogs can consensus change in our odour before the event. So therefore, as an assistance dog, instead of this person collapsing in the street, um, you know, hitting their head and having to call an ambulance, the dog just quietly sits with them. I can smell that odour. I can smell it. Nudges, alerts. They can sit down, get themselves, um, you know, if it's, if, if it's a low blood sugar, take on some sugar, off you go again. Problem sorted. All very, very... There's a new condition called POTS. Have you heard of it? Yes. Very so, becoming much more common. Dogs can alert teenage about, girls. Yeah, it's sorry, a, what is it's pot? a condition um, where your blood pressure essentially drops, usually on a change in posture. Yes. Um, and seems to sort of affect a lot of teenage girls, yes. particularly. So standing up, blood pressure just plummets and they faint. Right. Um, yeah. That's an oversimplification, yeah, yeah, but, but that's exactly it. Dogs can give them a five-minute warning. Changes their lives. These these girls. Well, we don't know how to treat it very well, yeah. I should say. Do they we? can't go anywhere on their own because these episodes happen so quickly. You can imagine on the tube, you could fall over and, you know, fall down off the tracks. If you're in the bathroom, you hit your head on the... Mm. The dog, give them a five-minute warning. About, about three to five minutes, sit down, make yourself safe. Can't off, off, always stop the event, but you can make yourself safe if it's going to happen. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So these dogs, I mean, like, is it my bog? Well, I haven't got a dog, but is it your Max? Could Max spot something going wrong with Christian? Or do you have to have him? Super Max. I've seen a picture of him. I'm (laughs) sure he can. Um, 
Well, for the biodetection work, this is when we're bringing samples to the dog, and we can talk a bit more about that because there's some other big projects we're working on. You're bringing a sample, a, a swab sample, a urine sample to the dog. These are dogs working at our training centre. Now, they're all, um, they all live in pet homes. They come in, they're fostered out. They come in not even for a nine to five. They're in nine, go home at half three. It's a media time. They get back, back on the sofa, you know, so, so that they're looking at samples. Now, for that, we need dogs high drive, we call them, you know, the spaniels, the Labradors, they love, they love hunting, finding. They love the game. But the assistance dogs, actually, it's all about bond. It's all about those dogs that want to sit with you, want to be with you, notice those changes. You know, if it's a very independent dog that's sort of chasing foxes in the bottom of the garden, they're not going to notice a change in you. So most dogs have got the ability through, you know, of the olfactory ability, but have they got that sort of, I want to sit with you and what, you know, be with you, because then I notice the change. So it's that mixture. So I'm sure Max could do it. So do you train these dogs? So can you tell me how you actually train a dog? So what we do is we have to capture the odour when we believe the odour is changing in the person. So if it's a low blood sugar, I would capture breath and and, and a perspiration sample from a person when I knew they were in low blood sugar. And to start with, I'm teaching the dog, when you smell this smell, you tell me about it and you'll get a biscuit or a toy. It's as simple as that. Mm. They have to learn that when they smell the smell, if I come and tell you I've smelt it, I get a biscuit. Now, in training, of course, you have to make sure that they only get a biscuit when they've smelt the right odour. And then they learn there's no point telling you about the wrong odour because I don't get my biscuit then or my toy or whatever. So it's really quite straightforward. But what we've found is that actually, although the dogs are getting a biscuit or a toy for doing the job, do you know what? They actually just love doing it. So they just, they want to come and tell you. Or when they're working on a line of samples and they're looking for the, I'm going to tell you about the malaria sample, they come and they find it like, yeah, I found it. Brilliant. So, yes, they get rewarded, but they love doing it themselves. I mean, this is just, isn't it mind-blowing? It's, it's, <laughs> I, I just, I, I love the idea of lots of dogs in a lab in little tailor-made white coats. Not that we approve <laughs> of dogs in silly clothes, but, 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 but is this the future? Dogs in labs detecting well, samples instead of machines? to be perfectly honest with you, I think the vision of the charity has always been that for things like cancer, and as you know, cancer, you know, where is it? How mm. bad is it? How am I going to treat it? It's a very complicated um, condition. We're looking to the dogs helping the scientists in the mm-hmm. future. So we've got, we're teaming up with um, MIT, no less, and Florin, who's uh, um, a prostate dog was actually flown out with me to MIT. What Florin's, I know it's all very posh, what Florin's going to do is she's going to, there's a big word coming, she's going to build the algorithm with the scientist. Because what he's started to realise is it's not about, you know, when you break down mass spectrometry, it's a bit like the ingredients of a cake. Yes. How many teaspoons of sugar have I got? So mass spectrometry many... is a tool where you can essentially find out what something's made of. I'm yeah. so glad you said that because level. I wasn't about to repeat that word. <laughs> so how many teaspoons of sugar have got? How yeah. many... Well, what they've tried to do for years is they've broken it down. It's got six teaspoons of sugar and five of flour. I'm not a very good cook, so it's probably completely wrong. Um, then um, that must be this, this thing. Well, actually, that's not how it works because it's a pattern. So, do both of you know a bit of Beethoven? Yes, love so, a bit of Beethoven. Give, I'm answering for us. Mo- yeah, you know, what's the, mo- what's me, the most best known little string of Beethoven? Ba, 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 ba. Oh, exactly. Yes, well that. done. Exactly. You know that's Beethoven, although you don't know much Beethoven. Now, this is exactly the point. So, but Christian did a very, may I say, a very nice rendition of it, but Christian is not a full orchestra, but you still recognised it. Yeah. That's because the pattern is the same, not the ingredients. Right. That makes sense. Totally. What the dogs are good at doing is finding the pattern. Right. They recognise the pattern. They say, this is the pattern of the disease. Even if it's the full orchestra 
or Christian doing his very, very nice. Out of tune. No, actually but not. But still but, you know, but Yeah, still <laughs> recognisable. That's what the dogs are good at. So if you try and look too deep into the ingredients, one ingredient different, the machine doesn't find it. You teach the pattern with the algorithm. The algorithm says this is still it. So this is very. This is what you're working on the now. Cancer, this is the next thing. The this cancer, is the next yes. thing that you're So to. for things where, you know, it's affecting thousands of people around the world and it's much better that a, a medic is able to use that innovation, then that's the way forward. But if you think of something like malaria, now we've just proved that the malaria has an odour. The parasite in your body has, a, has an odour. How do we guess that? Well, there's a, a team at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine who discovered that mosquitoes opt to bite people with malaria. Yes, I'm heavily, heavily bitten by mosquitoes, and I got malaria in in Kenya and Uganda, and got bitten even more. Yes, which as a medical student, I didn't understand. It was just this was the most unfair thing that I was already miserable and shivering and getting bitten more. Absolutely, that's exactly it. They smell the person with malaria, and they go and bite the person with malaria more. So the mosquitoes get more reinfected, and on we go, on we go. Right, knowing that, that it's proven that, that they were choosing to bite people with malaria there must be a smell and if a, if a mosquito with a little antenna I can smell it but a dog can we've done the research samples flown in from the Gambia dogs were able to detect it um, at low, le- levels lower than the World Health Organization would require so what we're looking at now is a project where dogs will actually be working in airports and as you move through instead of looking for your your agricultural produce or your, your drugs or explosives, sniffing your ankles, have you got the malaria parasite? Which can kill you. Exactly. And, and therefore quite and important. And be transmitted, transmitted back yes. into a malaria-free zone. So right. the dogs will be on these borders where they're virtually malaria-free. And if you've got malaria and you want to go through, you'll be treated before you go through so you can't get all the mosquitoes reinfected. So, Claire, this is absolutely fascinating. I mean, what is your... How would you like to see this knowledge used in the future? I mean, what? How would you like to see these dogs? Yeah. Like, would you like to see them at, at doctor's surgeries? I mean, what is your dream? Well, I, I, I'm a dog lover, so I never want the dog to be a tool. That's never what I want. I want mm. the, us to understand how the dog does it and to develop that relationship as well as we can. And that means us training better because the better we can train the dog and allow the dog to, to give us the answer, the, the, the better the results. And what I want to see is dogs to be used where it's appropriate and the welfare is good for the dog. But in situations where I don't want thousands of dogs sitting in laboratories all waiting to smell a sniff urine, that wouldn't, that's not, not how it would work. And actually, no one wants that. Do they? And it wouldn't work no anyway because that. the dogs have to be specialistly trained. and they have to, So it's all about learning what our best friend knows and adapting that in the best way we can. And for sometimes that will be a dog walking alongside, being alongside a person. There'll be these dementia villages in the future, they think, and you've heard of these, where people will be moving and moving into a village when they have a diagnosis. What we know is dogs can detect urinary tract infection. We think they probably can detect early dehydration. So these will be dogs in the village working with handlers, but we'll be used to keep people's spirits up, as we know. People love to stroke a dog, talk about a dog, but they'll also be picking out those with the early UTIs. I mean, that's that's the other subject I want to get. I mean, there's two aspects of this. The one that what really got me onto this was was talking to the CEO of of Battersea um, Dogs and Cats mm. Home. Is it Cats and Dogs or Dogs and Cats? Dogs. I'm always confused. I know she'll, she'll kill me <laughs> she'll for kill not knowing the right us. way around. But we'll call it Dogs and Cats because we're we're onto dogs at the moment. Yeah. Um, but you also use rescue dogs as we well, do. don't you? Which we I do. think is particularly nice. Yeah, so you yeah. take a poor, you know, dog that might 
have the most miserable, you know, story behind it, and you turn yeah, yeah, it into yeah. this, well, little super being, absolutely, really, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely, because a lot of the dogs, uh, you know, not all of them, but some of the dogs that end up in rescue are dogs that have just got too much energy for, you know, the owner got them thinking that they were going to be, you know, sit on the sofa and they, they just want to get on with the job. So we're we're able to use that drive and that energy to turn them into this sort of you know, super, super dog that could do this fantastic job. I think it's really amazing. Love it. Can I ask a really base question? How much does it cost, though, to take a dog and then train it up? And and how do you fund it? You're going to say, is it cheaper than a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> you are, aren't you? I know where this oh, is Christian, going. Please. I, know where this I would is never going. get you out of a job. <laughs> so, well, a lot of the cost actually comes into the sample collection because, you, you know, when we went out to the Gambia to collect malaria samples, or not me personally, you know, that's a costly process. So the training can, you know, can cost money but bear in mind that the dog it takes about about eight thousand pounds to train a biodetection dog without the, the sample costs um about twenty thousand to train a medical assistance dog now that's because you're working a lot with the family and, and 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 the individual to make sure the dog's working well for them but if you think these people one 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 of our clients was going into hospital every single week and as an emergency now often staying overnight now that's a thousand pounds a week you know if you're talking about the cost of malaria the, the millions that are going into it. So, yes, it's not it's not nothing. And we're a charity. We raise everything ourselves and with our supporters. But in terms of the difference they make, it's it's a drop in the ocean. I'd like to say, you know, if you've been inspired by this story and want to help this charity medical detection dog, then please, please do, because I think it's a wonderful thing. But just, I mean, you know, whether your dog can, even if you don't have a medical condition, mm. I, th- I do think there's a lot to be said for ge- owning a pet. We'll say pets in general, but I'm, I'm a bit dog biased, you I'll be honest. Biased, yeah. You know, I think if you're on your own, isolated, owning a pet can be really important. It can get you out of the house. Mm. It can mm. get you exercising. It can help with anxiety. It can help with blood pressure. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, and to a degree, we have the evidence to back that up, don't yes. we? Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, when I was at university, God, that seems a long time ago, there was a study showing they reduce our blood pressure and heart rate. And, of course, they make a huge difference. And in this age of electronics, when we're all looking at our phone, you need that relationship. You need something warm beside you. Take it for a walk and just relax. And one more quick thing, because I'm sceptical, right? I mean, I want to think that little Max loves me and it's not just because I <laughs> feed him. Can you reassure me he genuinely loves me or is it because... I can, I gets... can, I can absolutely reassure, reassure you. New research has indicated that not only do we release oxytocin, the feel-good hormone, yeah. the love hormone, when we stroke a dog, but they release it at the same time. Isn't that wonderful? I love that More too. evidence that I should get a dog. I think that's a beautiful thing to end on. Claire, um, massive, massive thank you for yeah, coming and telling you. us about this. I'm so pleased that we could cover this. Big thanks to Alex too, as always. Um, don't forget, we always want to hear from you. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer in any future editions of Second Opinion, then please email surgery at thepodcastworks.com or you can message me on Twitter at Dr. Christian. Until then, we'll have another fascinating subject for you next time. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.